This is the Color Pencil Podcast, session number 294. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. It's the only sanded paper currently on the market to offer seven different grades. It also comes in a beige and a dark. So if you've not ever tried sanded paper before, I think it's a good time to do that because a little later on, I can tell you how to get 20% off of your order. Bonnie, do you use UART? Uh, I haven't used it. I haven't have used not? it. And um, oh. I, I'm actually about to order some. It's on oh, my good. list because uh, I have seen awesome. some incredible work on sanded paper and it, it looks amazing. Oh, very, yeah. very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, stick I'm around, excited. guys, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about how to get that 20% off a little later on in the show. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back. My name is John Middick. Welcome back to the Color Pencil Podcast. I'm so excited to have Bonnie Schechter on here with me today. Bonnie, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on here and talk to us. Thanks, John. I really appreciate you inviting me. Great to be here. All right. So you mostly work on, maybe exclusively, you work on drafting film. Is that right? I do. Uh, I probably, I started off uh, on paper in about 2000. It was my first actually experience even drawing. And, um, but then I discovered drafting film in about 2013. Uh, okay. And I, I saw some work by Suzanne Vigil at a CPSA Comp, uh, uh, exhibition and uh -huh. uh, it was just it had such a different quality and so I googled her and, and found out she was working on on this film and uh -huh. uh, so that was the beginning of my love affair with with uh, drafting film ah interesting you said you started even drawing in the year 2000 that's right um I was a uh, hmm. Uh, trained as a printmaker, that was my background as a lithographer, and all my work okay. was photographic. And uh, so, from about 1974, I was uh, working as a lith in lithography, and okay. I had my own studio, beautiful studio that I built, and uh, oh, nice. a big uh, offset um, printing press, uh, okay. and uh, my own dark room. Like it was just huh. great, yeah. uh, but. As as the as time went on, uh, uh, as I was spending more and more time in the studio, as my mm -hmm. kids were getting older and I had more available time to work, um, I just started developing all these allergies and like oh. very debilitating allergies uh, that necessitated my kind of rethinking what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, so I decided to get into something a lot less toxic. Um, mm. The, the mm -hmm. allergies were to the chemicals and to the inks and the solvents mm. that are associated uh, oh. with printmaking. Gotcha. And, and so uh, I took a, a course in, I was going to get into watercolor. And I took a course of the continuing studies at the University of Toronto. And okay. uh, the prerequisite was uh, for this, it was a botanical drawing course. and. Um, so the prerequisite was was uh, just drawing with colored pencil, and I'd never I'd never done drawing. I'd never even heard of this kind of artist grade um, quality colored pencils. Mm -hmm. So it was a it was a real eye opener for me. Um, 
the which uh, pencils were they 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 were using prismacolors and uh so that's what i became very familiar with i was just uh i was so um flabbergasted by some of the books that i saw especially mm -hmm. one by ann kulberg called mm -hmm. uh painting color portraits in realistic color portraits something like that mm, um yeah and so i bought the book and and uh just started experimenting with a lot of her uh tutorials and you that, were introduced to that uh through that class or just um, when you got interested i in i just went to the bookstore to find more about it um, gotcha. and uh yeah. and just happened to run on that book so that was a real life changer and huh. um i just started drawing eyes and mouths and uh and faces and mm -hmm. thought wow this is the coolest thing ever just <laughs> fell in love with it and i still had some of my my some of the questions i had weren't answered by the book and so i did a, an actual workshop with her it was a four-day workshop mm. and we did a a portrait and a an apple and uh, -huh. uh I learned so much just in those four days. It was like cramming 10 years of experience because uh, she was just so generous with her information. Uh -huh. um, oh, that's and good. I just, yeah, that was on paper, right? That was on paper. Yeah. And uh, so for the next uh, like 10 years or so, I just worked on paper. So I found when I switched to drafting film, I had to make some dramatic adjustments to the way I worked. Like um, what? So, for instance, in working on paper, I've got a pencil here, you have to work with a, very vertically with the point, and you want to you want to try and fill in the the texture of the paper, so you know no, I don't work that way this This was an Ann Kahlberg, um oh, okay. Is that how she teaches it to she teaches work it oh, yeah, and so okay. when when I was in fact during the workshop as I was drawing, I had it kind of angled, she said do it more upright. Oh. And then oh. I, I found that that would actually fill in the grain using the very point and doing it quite upright and circular motions. Oh. Yeah. Or, what paper were you using? She recommended um, Stonehenge, which also okay. was, that was a huge difference that I had found. I'd been working just on whatever like, pad of paper. Like or yes, yeah, right. Yeah. And that, so that yeah. was a, a huge breakthrough as well. And the Stonehenge mm -hmm. was, um, it could just take about forty thousand layers and just hold up, and you could, you could yeah, burn it. Yeah, forty or fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unlike drafting film, so so switching to drafting film. Um, so other than the position of the pencil, so you laid it on its side, maybe more. So in fact, I I actually would hold it yeah. hold it like at about maybe thirty degree angle, and rather than the tip, you use the side of the tip and a kind mm -hmm. of scraping motion mm -hmm. and as well as that um very important is that the the pencil is always moving so it's it's moving as as i go i don't start on the paper i have it moving and then i lift it as i go up so um, so you're okay so all right so this is interesting uh if you guys can't see this you really should so she's got a pencil in her hand and she's 
She's drawing wrong. She's going in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually draw this direction like that. She, you're, you're, you're actually drawing, like moving that pencil upward. Upwards. And uh, that was just a discovery I made mm. when, when I had the tooth mm. had become filled up and I couldn't get the tooth to the color to lay down. And yeah. I found that an upward stroke seemed to lay it down. And then I got used to just. Um, and you do that all the time? Like. You're always drawing. Uh, I use a whole technique. a lot of variety of strokes, yeah. but that's the especially that's the, the beginning main one though to main, get all the coverage kind of thing in in the beginning to get a really yeah. smooth layer, and at the end when it's not, when it's resisting to take more layers, right, then I'll right. do that. Um, I I do a lot of burnishing, and then it's then I'm just circular motions yeah. a lot. That is interesting. So other than those two things, I mean, um, any other big differences? I mean, yeah, something yeah, that a sure. lot of students talk to me about is, well, I like the the ability to be able to put my photo reference underneath. And then I can trace like an outline of where, you know, some of these landmarks are and get that initial line drawing on there uh, very cleanly. And then I have a roadmap to follow. And they also talk about the fact that they can erase. So is that a real big benefit? Those were well? two huge things. Why and why mm -hmm. I continue to to draw on uh, drafting film on paper. I used to I used to um, put the markings on the paper and they'd disappear and I'd end up having to redraw my lines. Uh, I just yeah. uh, it was a yep. problem. And so having being able to put the drawing underneath the drafting film is incredible. It's just there. But then I also find the the advantage is that I can take a piece of blank white paper and put it between the drawing and my film so that I don't mm -hmm. see any drawing. And then I can just respond to what's on what I'm doing. Um, yeah. and, I, and so a lot will change from the original drawing even. I'll, right. I'll see things. And uh, so I, I'm basically having an outline of, of the shape and yeah. some kind of areas to delineate values. So you're building it up kind of slowly. You've got that outline, but then you're progressing through kind of slowly and moving around, I guess, a little bit. So I, I always, I always, yeah, I always start with the eyes and, uh, okay. and then, and then just start working out. And as, as I'm working, I'll, I'll do a small, very small section, maybe two inches by three inches or so, okay. and actually work that to quite uh, complete, uh, trying to like really establish the darkest values. And okay. I'll move around then maybe to, so that I have the basic features, the eyes, the nose, the mouth, mm -hmm. and then, and then uh, the starting in from the edges of the face and moving inwards. So, but probably the last part of the face I do is the forehead, which mm -hmm. I find is one of the hardest areas to do because it's usually very big with not a lot of detail in it. Yeah, so it's boring. It's boring, and you have, yeah. and so I find that I have to still work in very small areas, or I get really sloppy. And that—that's the advantage I found to working in very small sections at a time and finishing yeah. them. Is that two reasons? One is I don't get bored because I'm just working on huh. a small area, so I can keep my yeah. my strokes very even, very methodical, and and I don't get sloppy. And the other thing is by bringing it to a kind of completion. Um, it's like a, 
it's like something finished that I can look at and say, oh, that's exciting. I can't wait to do the next little section tomorrow. That is so fascinating. I've always wanted to ask someone who works like that. And I, I don't I've had other uh, artists on the show who do work like that. I don't know why I never ask them why they did. Uh, I don't think I have. But anyway, so that uh, kind of answers that for me, at least for you, why you do that, why you work in these small sections. But when you're so I can understand like the the eyes, nose and mouth and building those up to completion. But are you talking about like also a cheek, like maybe one side, one cheek, you build that up to completion? Sure. And yeah. you haven't even touched the other cheek, really? Usually uh, in the Something cheeks, like there's, there's, there's highlights and I'll leave the, yeah. the lightest areas to the last because then once I've got delineated the eyes, the mouth, the nose, the ears. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I start building in from the darker areas, um, okay. and and I'll I'll build up those the darker values, and and then work towards the the highlights in the cheeks or in the nose, and those okay. are white. And um, then what I if start... you forget when you go to the other side what you did over there? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm always afraid of is going to happen to me if I ever did that. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't work that way. So I'm trying to figure out. It has happened. What that uh, thought process. Oh, okay. It, it then it's color happened. matching, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But color I try, and value matching. I then. try and keep. Uh, so I have a like I lay out all my pencils. I have them all laid mm. out on a table. Um, mm. I don't have them in boxes like a lot of people that are very organized, but I do have them laid out on my table. And then okay. I have smaller trays. So when I, if I'm working on the face, then I have I have a whole selection of colors that I'm using in the face. So I, I tend not to to actually forget about it. And I yeah. mean, as I, as I get more and more experienced, um, I'll remember like, mm-hmm. uh, it well, just, that's nearly intuitive, right? I it's mean, very if you've done it for so long, you kind of yeah. know what colors will Although work. Although I have to say, I mean, I don't, I don't have a formula. Like people, a lot of people yeah. ask me, like, you know, what, what are the colors that you use in, um, you know, to for your flesh tones? And yeah. really, it, it just, I mean, everybody's skin color is different, right? And yeah, and sometimes yeah. you want. Um, yeah, just a, a, a well, and the photo is different. Sometimes the, the lighting different. is different. The shadows exactly. are different, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, and the mood so, that you want to create could be yeah. different. But that's another. It's another difference I found the working on drafting film than on paper was that mm-hmm. I actually had to adjust my color palette, um, mm. and so. Why is that? I mean, it just. Well, I, when I look at drafting film pieces, they just seem like they're just more vibrant. It's like somebody, um, the, the way I think of it is it looks like you use solvent on drafting film, which I know hardly anyone ever does that, I guess. But it's the difference of when you're working on Stonehenge before you use solvent and then after you use solvent. I mean, it's just such a, this luminous kind of look to the piece right. on drafting film it's it's just fascinating i i think some of the luminosity comes from mm-hmm. the light that's bouncing through the film ah um, could be yeah so i think okay. that's part of it but i mean that was a shock when i first started putting color on yeah uh, just testing out this drafting film and and it looks so raw and um bright uh, yeah uh, yeah it's very bright yeah yeah very and but very i don't know it was it was too too raw looking compared to mm. the way it would go on on paper. So, 
I ended up actually graying down my colors a lot. So, so I'd use for flesh tones, for instance, I'd use um, uh, sienna brown and clay rose and... Prismacolor uh, Premier? Pr pr yeah, Prismacolor, okay. yeah. Are you still using Prismacolor Premier then? Yeah, you know, I've tried so many different kinds. Every time uh, <laughs> I see someone, someone talks about, uh, you know, polychromos and, yeah. and I have all the, I have polychromos, I have luminance, but I keep coming yeah. back to to Prismacolor just because I know them so well. Yeah, and, right, right. And so if I, if I think about a color that I need, I know exactly the color, I can grab it. Right, and I, right. I also, I know them so well, the, there's a real difference between, um, in the, in, you have to know your, your colors really well. Some are very right. waxy, some are very kind of dry. And so yeah, you want to- even you, within the brand. With, within the brand, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'll use the, I'll start off with colors that are less waxy for, for my base layers and then yeah. burnish with the waxier colors and, and that blends them really beautifully. Now you're talking about dulling down some of these bright, vibrant colors, uh, and s when you switched over to drafting film, so difference there in uh, using uh, your pencils on cotton paper. What? So when you are thinking along those lines, like let's take um, maybe a, a Caucasian flesh tone and the face and leading up to a highlight on the cheek maybe there's you know an area that nearly looks white on the cheek what so i know this is probably kind of highly de technical but what would you say would be some differences there with if you were doing that like on stonehenge and then if you started doing that on drafting film would you use some darker color in that area then so <clears throat> build up from a dark value to a light yeah. value? So my, thing, my work's progressed a lot in the last couple of years. And I used to leave those, those uh, highlight areas like almost white. And, uh, and, mm -hmm. and particularly on paper, I think I did leave a lot of the white paper. Just the white of the paper. Oh, the white okay, of the gotcha. paper. And yeah. then and I found on drafting film, um, and part of it is just as I, as I get more experienced and, and yeah. like make discoveries that, that actually using color in those light areas, you could actually put a, quite a bit of color into those highlights. Um, and I, I, I think it would be the same on paper now, but it's just because okay, of my experience, you. right? Oh, sure. Um, that makes um, sense. So you're seeing more of a, a tonal range and a hue uh, separation. Um, so you're adding more color as well. That yes. makes sense. And, yeah. and so, and you can, you can actually go quite dark and it still is, um, relatively light compared to the dark areas, but, but that allows you to bring also that smoothness of, um, the blending from the dark mm. to the light, um, right. and burnishing those, the dark to the light much more easily. You're talking about burnishing a lot. So you do that um, on most of your drawings yes. in yeah. drafting film? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Pretty much okay. pretty much all over, although I mean there's some areas that that don't need it. Now I have to confess, I've only used Duralar. Um and um, you know, and I only drew on one side. So I didn't draw on both sides when I've done that. I have I since uh since speaking with you I bought um like the two mural size nearly um drafting film uh sheets and I've got them I haven't used them yet but I'm I'm excited about using those um 
So what advice would you give someone, uh, say someone like me or anyone else listening today? They've never tried drafting film. Maybe they've tried Duralar, and I understand there is a difference there a little bit. Uh, this is a more professional grade of uh, polyester film than what Duralar is. What advice would you give someone coming from cotton, like Stonehenge or something like that, to drafting film, other than what you talked about regarding the position of the pencil and then the dark, uh, darker uh, values and more color? Well, you said that may be due to experience. What, what else? Because so, I got to tell you, Here's the feeling I had. I'm giving you more time to think about this response. <laughs> Here's the feeling I had. I wanted to hyperventilate when I started using, when I started testing on Duralar. I was like, whoa, I'm out of tooth already. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like I yeah. could keep going on Stonehenge, but I'm already out of tooth and it's only like three layers. Yeah. That's, that's a huge so. shock, isn't it? Um, yeah. And, and very frustrating. So that was that was a huge consideration uh, or trying to figure out how to get to where I was going in way fewer layers. Yeah. And um, so I used that quality of the, that rawness um, and being able to gray it down um, and by actually applying like grayer colors like warm gray, cool gray, uh, yeah. Um, putty, be, be, uh, putty gray. Um, there's, yeah. there's a lot of those different values, gray, lavender, and you can... You're talking you about can, a lot uh, of middle values, though, as well there, aren't you? Right. So it seems like, okay. Um, hmm. So when I, when I yeah. lay down my layers, uh, I would use several different colors of very similar value to lay down okay. a smooth layer. And then they may be a lot brighter than, than looks real, uh, realistic. Mm -hmm. But yep. then going over with uh, using pressure and blending it with a grayer color will tone it down and, and give it um, a more realistic look. And you okay. can get there a lot faster than, than mm. building up, you know, 12 colors or 16 colors of gradual yeah. flesh. So you think, so you think you're thinking, I guess, okay, um, I'm going to get to the finish line quicker. So what colors do I need to, to exactly. employ now? How do I need to shift this color to get right. to that end result? Okay, that's probably um, a good takeaway. What about erasers? Um, what what do you use for erasers? So this uh, I use, uh, this is the Tombow. Okay, Tombow Minerized. And those are great for erasing fine lines. Um, right. And but this is my all-time favorite tool. It's called a Euro tool. I don't know if you can see that. It's, what is it's, it? A, it's a. It's got a fiberglass insert. I can pull it out there. Uh, hmm. So this is fiberglass. It's it's a. I think it's called a scratch brush. Okay. Euro tool scratch brush. And you, uh, uh, you might send me a link on that and we'll share it in the show notes. Sure. No problem. <clears throat> yeah. It's available awesome. on Amazon. Um, okay. And um, it's, it, I do, you can, you can erase like fine lines, uh, soft lines. Uh, if you get, if you get a kind of a junky buildup of color, like you can, you can just gently erase like uh, just, just that buildup that you didn't want. Um, what? What? And, I'm going to have to order this today. Oh, it's the best tool uh, ever. This will change my life. <laughs> this was a this was a life changer. So I'll bet. 
So oh, like, and wow. things like, like baskets or, you know, straw hats or, yeah. um, I did this drawing where you can see it behind me. This, there's this, uh, oh, I think, I don't know if so you can lovely. see it. It's uh, yep, a it. knit dress. So all the little detail was just done oh, by scratching yeah. out uh, the color with, with this uh, Euro nice. brush. But you're telling me if I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, I mean, texture is one thing, but it sounds like you're able to get a little bit of tooth back, right? Uh it no, it it, oh, it actually you okay. can <laughs> it doesn't get too back. <laughs> well, can, but but you're taking off some of the layers. Of you're taking off or? the layer of the pencil, um, but, and you so have to be careful that you still... don't actually. It, it can it could like scratch away your the tooth as well. So you have to be a little bit okay. careful. Okay. Yeah. But if I took away some layers, can I not add layers oh, back absolutely. on top? Absolutely. Oh yeah, I do okay. that all the okay. time too. So I'll I'll okay. take away some with that, and then I'll add more on top of it. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm elated again then. Okay. Good deal. <laughs> that's the awesome. Other, the other thing that's great is those, uh, I don't, oh, here it is. So I use little, um, little chunks of magic eraser, Mr. Clean magic okay. erasers. And those uh -huh. are wonderful for erasing. I've erased whole backgrounds with that mm. and, and two or three times and, and still. And you still have tooth. To, I still had tooth and was able to redraw. Yeah. Are you, are you having to be pretty careful though when you're erasing? Oh, yeah. Like yeah, with that? Okay. Yeah, you know, so you're no, just erasing. Yeah. Yeah. Just erasing enough, just gently doing it gently enough to where you can see it's removing the pigment, but not right. any more than right. that. Okay. Yeah. You still have to be careful of the surface. And, okay. Uh, I mean, on occasion, I have gone too far, lost the tooth. And, and at that point, I might draw on the back um, if, if oh, I've okay. just lost a certain area. But otherwise, so I just you're draw. not drawing on the back. No, no, just on the front. Yeah. So you're you're leaving that like okay, this is my safety net in case I just destroy something on the exactly. front. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, interesting. But it's a great feeling, like because I think you can feel like you can really take risks, um, try things out, and knowing that you can erase. Um, oh right. So right. so it's a very liberating kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's one of the reasons why I love um, sanded paper and any kind of uh, non-absorbent surface, which I guess drafting film is a non-absorbent surface, but like pastel mat and things like that, uh, is that ability to go over dark areas with light colors and uh, erase things and modify it, use solvent and make it disappear and things like that. It's just a couple of different techniques, it sounds like, when we're using drafting film and we're comparing that to cotton paper. But you prefer it now, and that's what that's what you've been using, I guess, yeah. for quite some time. Yeah, I it's think really that, that there's so many advantages that it, it – uh, mm -hmm. and I've just – yeah, I've become so familiar with it now that uh, – you feel like it's faster than I mean I guess it is I mean you're, you're drawing very large too how yeah. long do these take I mean um, I'm wondering about that it seems like it would be faster because you're getting to the finish line quicker that's is true I think I think I mm -hmm. I think that's very true um, mm -hmm. I I mean I work in these small sections and I can work anywhere from a half an hour a day to six hours a day okay um, but I work every day. So okay, you're you're pretty disciplined with a like a studio time that you go in there and you're just like okay, I'm gonna work. 
for the next two, three, four hours or something like that? I don't set myself any goals, except I, I, my goal okay. is that I want to try and accomplish one thing today. And, and it might be, um, you know, just, just this tiny little section. Okay. Um, but then it's hard to quit, right? That's what it, it is. Depends. For me. Uh, yeah, okay. it, it depends. Uh, if I finish an area, then I, I'd like to think about it and, and, yeah. and I, I'll leave the room and then come back about oh, 10 times right. and, and look at it. Mm. And, uh, but I try not to over, overdo it. I, I mean, I have a, um, a vision problem. I lost, uh, the vision in yeah. one of my eyes. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about that for a second. If you don't mind, let's, <laughs> no, let's talk no, about no. that. No, I, it happened about, uh, close to two years ago. Um, okay. I, it's, and it's caused by macular degeneration, but there's a, a bubble of fluid in my eye so the the center of my vision is blo is blanked out. I can't uh, just have peripheral vision, and not only that, but it's very distorted. It's like looking okay. through a bubble, right? Um, okay. So right. lines are distorted, but um, so. And that it, happened two years ago. You said. Uh yeah, close to two years ago. Okay. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear about that. When you're drawing, then is your mind allowing you to see that peripheral vision? I, I know. Uh, just talking to, um, he's a friend of mine. He's an eye doctor. But he, he told me that because I've got double vision in in one eye, I've got wow. uh, where I see outlines, like ghosting is what he called it. Um, oh. And I said, I I think I'm cured. I don't see that anymore. He said, No, you're not cured. <laughs> he said, You'll never yeah. be cured of that. Uh, he said, It's only going to get worse. Um, he said, but what happened is your brain has told you not to use that eye, you know, not not to see that and to block it out, you know. So if I really try, I can still see it, you know, when I hold my other eye closed. I just wondered if something like that may be going on. Where yeah, exactly. Um, it, it astonishes me because uh, if I close my good eye, mm -hmm. the world is just really wonky. It's, uh, mm, right, uh, right. It looks like, you know, looks like that painting the screen, like everything's yeah. all distorted. <laughs> right. Um, but otherwise, you're just, you're drawing so, without any uh, difficulty other than the depth of field and all of that. But you're able to use the good eye, I guess. And yeah, somehow the, the brain that. just knows what, what it should be seeing. And it, and that's what, what it takes over. I, unless I'm drawing straight lines mm -hmm. and, and every once in a while, <laughs> they just start to blip around. And, and uh, that's, mm. that's the most problematic, but, but mm -hmm. generally, um, because I'm, my, my, uh, left eye is the good eye and it's, and it's farsighted. I see it sees, wants to see things far away, but, mm. um, I have progressive lenses. So looking down, um, I'm able to, to see adequately, uh, but, but the thing is that I, I found that I, because of this eye problem, I've had to adjust in certain ways. Um, what one was in my lighting. Um, okay. And, and I found that I work in a whole variety of, of lighting situations now. And, um, because my eyes will either get t tired with, with bright light or oh. I'll need more light for some, something. Uh -huh. And, uh, so I'm finding that, um, sometimes I'll have, uh, just like one incandescent like 60 watt bulb and and that that allows me to see um values more than detail 
And so that's been actually very oh. useful. And uh, other times, like if I just, I can't, I can't keep that focus up on detail. Like I'll have, I'll draw a lot with a very soft focus. So I'm not yeah. actually looking at the very surface, but just a little bit beyond it. It's like squinting your eyes at something. Mm, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and then I'll go back into it for short little periods of time, mm -hmm. just focusing on the detail and filling in all the little bits that I've missed and, and uh, bringing oh, up the interesting. detail. Yeah. So you know how to compensate for, for, uh, you, you just adapt, it seems. Yeah. 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 The Colored Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. And I'm going to make it very easy for you to try them today because all you got to do is go over to the show notes, sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. There is a code in there that if used at checkout at dakotapastels.com, you'll get 20% off of your order. Now, I want to tell you why you should probably place your order with dakotapastels.com anyway for UART sanded paper. Not only because you get that 20% off, but because it comes in UART sanded paper, that is, comes in more varieties and options at Dakota Pastels than from any other online store. Want it just in the sheets? Uh, you can get individual sheets of it. You can get it in a uh, pack or a pad. You can get it in a roll. You can get it in a four-ply board. Comes on this very nice eight-ply or four-ply conservation board. And there's different options even within boards. You can get it on a premium board. So many options to choose from. And it comes in the dark and the beige colors. So this isn't going to last long. Go ahead and take advantage of it while you can. And we do thank UART Premium Sanded Paper for sponsoring the Color Pencil Podcast. I think because of that, my eye condition... A couple of things mm -hmm. uh, like it. So it's, it's, it's helped me develop new ways of working with, within mm -hmm. the, in the constraints of what my eye will allow me to do that have actually, I think, made allow my work to progress. And the other thing I think it, it did was it, it made me, it kind of uh, allowed me to give voice to what I really wanted to do. Well, I feel like uh, I don't know how long my vision is going to last. And oh. um, so I, it's given me the inspiration and the motivation. Well, it allowed me to progress because I, I just had to, I made new discoveries by doing things in a different way than I normally did. For instance, right. using okay. different lighting. Uh, and uh, right, that makes sense. Just coming at it a bit differently. Yeah. So, is, so there is a risk that this will affect your other eye, I guess? I guess. I mean, who knows? Um, oh, I mean, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm praying that I don't lose that eye. I, I've been oh, sure. uh, doing all I can, eating well. <laughs> and, right. Okay. Uh, just, well, you know, let's hoping. hope that continues. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I certainly hope so. Um, but it, it's, I, what I think is interesting. Like I, I had, uh, when you get health issues, I mm -hmm. think they can really affect your, pri you know, what, what you consider your priorities and, Makes you reevaluate, um, doesn't it, it? It does, and yeah. Um, well, and it's interesting because I, I had uh, breast cancer about five years ago, and mm. uh, like it was, it took about a year out of my life, and like several months, mm -hmm. I was, I was, uh, just didn't do any work at all, and and the thing that I really wanted to do when I just had finished my chemo uh, sessions mm -hmm. was I wanted to do a drawing. 
and right. and the CPSA uh, exhibition was coming up. It was about yeah. uh, I think February, and that was at the end of March. So I thought I'm going to do a drawing, and um, I was so weak from the experience. Yeah. Uh, like oh, I'd been yeah. in bed for basically for four months. It was just oh, very goodness. debilitating. Right. And so so I I was going to do a portrait of my daughter, and I I took her out, and I. I couldn't even stand up long enough to take to take photographs. Mm. So I was looking at my just what did I have that I could use for a drawing, and um, and I found one that I had uh, shot off the TV screen while I was watching Netflix one one day when I was sick. It was this. Uh, it was just a very like I had paused it while I went to the bathroom and came back and I saw that and I said, "Wow, that's that's just an amazing image." And I snapped <laughs> it with my my uh, iPad Mini. And so, so I had this, and it was terrible photograph, all blurry and pixelated and whatever. But the only thing I had, and um, and I did a drawing of it. It's it's on my website. It's really it's called, which one is it? It's called Second Thoughts. That uh, still uh, frozen right there just uh, captured something. Well, and that emotion. It it captured that emotion, and for me, yeah. that 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 was a kind of a. A real eye opener, um, just just using that, and wow. I thought beautiful, and I, and it well, it made me think um, that because I'd been doing commissions uh, like for the you know ten years or so before that, yeah, where oh. where I was just you know shooting people and and trying to just get likenesses. So this was mm -hmm. the first drawing that I did that I think <clears throat> that kind of was a little narrative, like there was a story mm -hmm. behind the drawing. It was and, 19 by 16.75, and it's an award winner. That's <laughs> it awesome. Did. Well, and in fact, that very show, so I entered this, and it was the first award that I'd ever received. So oh, it, wow. it, it was, uh, yeah, That's I thought, exciting. oh, this is, this is uh, help, helping me to, you know, encourage me in, to go in this direction. And yeah. so then I uh, thought, well, I'm going to take, take lots of shots off the TV because here's there's these actors they're showing all these emotions but I quickly realized that that's that wasn't very much fun because the, the the pictures are so terrible that you can get off the yeah. TV they're like red and green and all weird pixelated right and so so I went out just with my camera I thought well I I got to find my own subjects and so the next one that I drawing that I did was that old man in the green jacket it's also oh, on my website. I love that one. Yeah. And so I was just driving along and I, I was at a stoplight and I I just saw this old man at a at a market um buying some some food or something and strawberries. And uh so I just uh, opened my window, grabbed my camera and shot him before the light turned green and wow. and then uh so the picture again it wasn't great because uh you know it was just such a quick quick shot yeah, um right, parts, right. part of it was out of focus but there was enough there to anyway to to work with and um well, he looks like he notices you or something i know <laughs> i didn't <laughs> realize it at the time but he he had his <laughs> he realized i had my camera aimed at him <laughs> i think yeah it looks like he's trying to deflect attention here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so that jacket so, just looks real um and the background that's incredible. Was that 
the background was what? So what was out of focus? Was that background in focus or was that? Well, that wasn't the back. I put that background in. He was in a market. So there was a um, totally different background. So I just isolated oh, okay. so him. Wide open space kind of thing. And right. You put the, the rock. And then I, I put this. Yeah, brick. I put this this brick, a brick yeah. wall behind him and then created wow, a shadow. Wow, that's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that, uh, um, it just, hmm. it just kind of started me on this journey of, of finding people to photograph that, where they oh, show yeah. these candid expressions and, uh, um, Did, so this was after coming off of, uh, chemo and this was prior to losing the vision in your right eye, right? Right. Now, do you feel like you were probably even becoming more courageous even after chemo, maybe, when you were going through this stage of not doing commissions, maybe, as as many, perhaps, and uh, you're working well, on your own stuff in these candid shots? I think, I think it made me realize that, you know, life is short. You know, you yeah. just never know what's going to happen. And right. I just wanted to do what I wanted to you know, what was meaningful to me. Um, what is that? What What are you saying with these candid shots that is more meaningful now? What is it you're saying? I th I think that just trying to find a, a sense of empathy with these people. Okay. Like there's so yeah. many people in the world and they, they have all the, you know, you just, I see them on the subway or walking around and they have their whole lives and you don't know anything about them. But But especially when they're, these introspective expressions um, mm -hmm. kind of it gives you the glimpse into, I mean, just our hum our humanity is what um, allows yes, us to be human. Gotta go check these out. Oh, that's I love that, Bonnie. Uh, these are so beautiful. Yeah, Thank so you. I do see um, some subway shots that uh, you've drawn, and uh, a, a lot of them are actually taken on the subway, but then I'll put different backgrounds in as well oh, and I'll, I'll change okay. them so that they look like they're standing up rather than sitting down yeah um, so you can play around with that but but subway is a great venue for for uh, capturing people i use my iphone oh. so i just look like i'm reading texting. my <laughs> texting and stuff and but surreptitiously getting yeah. some candid shots of people they don't realize uh, it sometimes oh, they true. do i think but yeah. I get mad. You ever have any of them contact you? Hey, I see you won an award. That's me. <laughs> I don't, don't think anyone that I've ever drawn has, <laughs> has seen that. <laughs> no, I'm sure that probably hasn't <laughs> Oh, that, that is so cool. So I, I noticed you have won um, a lot of awards on here. You draw very large. You're doing these introspective kind of uh, poses. It makes It draws us in as the viewer, makes us wonder about uh, what's going on here. Uh, one, though, that I'm looking at uh, kind of looks, well, a couple of them look a lot different than uh, the rest of the, the body of work here, and that is rushing headlong through, headlong through frozen time and a lingering moment in eternity. Mm -hmm. That one's very different. That's yeah. really kind of cool. Um and what about rushing headlong through frozen time? So that one, um, I I took about you got five people in that one. I've got five people. They're all from different um, 
shots and I wanted to do something no really way. large, that really, really tough. large. Um, wow. and, um, just cause so you I, felt like punishing yourself or something. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I, I'd, uh, I just wondered how big I could go. And, no. and of course, then having several, several, um, figures, Mm-hmm. You need to bring them to a certain size. Uh, so just, it's thirty-one point seven five inches. Um, in case I think you're that was that was about as large as I could go with the with the size film that I had. Mm, yeah. Um, but I to take those photographs, I just uh, it was during a a music festival. It's called Drum Boogie Festival in Woodstock, New York, and uh, mm-hmm. my husband was playing in this in this uh, festival. And I just sat myself in the middle of the field with my camera and people were walking back and forth. And every time they would walk by me in front of me, I would snap this picture. So, so, um, so the idea behind that one was I had all these, I put all these five different, these five different photographs together. And, um, the idea was that there's all these people, they, they're, they're walking in the same direction looking very determined and they, they all have their own agendas. <laughs> right. So it was a kind of reflective for me of society. Like th- mm. they were disconnected, not, like no one's really mm-hmm. interacting with each other. They're disconnected, but they're all kind of moving along. Mm-hmm. So that it was a kind of commentary, I think, on on our world, the world that I was That's seeing. That's so cool. Um, I forgot you're married to a musician. That must be <laughs> just something to be able to be around. It's like creative people like that a lot of times uh, you've it's got really some material ins- then uh, it's but. really inspiring when i i hear he has a studio in the basement and i i hear him composing and the music's coming up and so oh, yeah so there's neat. a kind of very uh great energy in the house yeah yeah, yeah it inspires me to work as well yeah well, he said this real creative kind of union here you were a lithographer <laughs> and now you're a fine artist, um, and he does music. That is wow. Well, That's he was a, he was a per- awesome. he was a performer for when I first met him, and for the next like like thirty years. But when he retired, oh. he was also teaching at the University of Toronto oh, in there, okay. and it was the dean for a while. Uh, when he retired, finally, he finally had time to compose. So, in a way, oh, okay. like when he started composing, it was the same as when I started drawing. It was something very new. Was it around uh, the same time? Uh, he's a little bit later for him. Um, okay. Yeah, probably. He's been doing that for about the last five or six years. How, how many children do you have? I have two daughters. Two daughters. All yeah. right. Yeah. That's that's perfect. You did that right. I got two daughters. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we good. ordered. <laughs> they're great. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it, it uh, I mean, I'm the kind of person that can do one thing well at a time and so all the time when you know for about the first 10 years of their lives i didn't do a whole lot of art other than uh just my time was consumed with you know driving to to being a parent being a parent yeah yeah lunches yeah Yeah. but then um you know it it was worth it and it uh i mean in a way i mean it's it's rewarding right but it's time consuming to be a parent yeah. yeah But also, my my youngest daughter was always asking me to draw pictures. So in a way, when I say oh. I didn't start drawing till I was uh, fifty, um, I was actually doing drawings for her. And so in a in a oh. way, she probably got me started and interested in oh, drawing. That's neat. That's yeah. so cool. So how old yeah. is she now? 
Uh, she's 30, 33. <laughs> have you drawn daughter. her? So what about that pose you were going to take of your daughter and you were too weak to take it? Did you ever get that shot some other time? Uh, I have drawn her. She's She oh, cool. doesn't like me showing it. It actually was in an ex a CPSA <laughs> exhibition. Oh, yeah. And, and then I had it hanging in her house and she took it down. <laughs> <laughs> And she's she's wasn't happy about it. Wow! So it's really hard drawing my kids. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard drawing uh, people, you know, I think is. I've done tough. done lots of them when they were little. Um, mm, yeah, they okay. let me do that. that Are was, those some of the ones that we see there on uh, drawings for sale page on uh, your website? No, and on no. the commission page. Uh, I think okay. there's one called. Oh, I don't know if they're, they're probably not labeled. There's one. Of my youngest daughter lying with a red balloon. Um, yeah, I see it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that was one of them. That and another cute. one, which was actually in a in a CPSA competition of a little little girl playing a piano, toy piano. Oh, yeah, I yeah, see so it. So those are my girls. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and the way I actually started even doing commissions was that... Uh, I was drawing my kids and um, I want, and they're both blonde and I wanted to just get more experience. So I called up my friend and said, can I draw your daughter? She's got dark hair. And um, so I came over and did a photo session with, with her mm -hmm. uh, granddaughter, Lucy, ended up doing about three drawings of her from, from the batch that I took. And nice. that on what that commission page, I think you can see she's wearing a, like a pink dress with uh, working at a computer. And then I did one. And so when I had showed them the drawings that I did, they were just, uh, they, they bought um, them and they, they helped me set up a website. They really encouraged me. They started oh, nice. um, telling other people about it. Yeah. Uh, so it became a, a word of mouth. Oh, very um, cool. So uh, that was just, thanks. you were just wanting some, um, some experience and some reference material yeah. for blonde hair or whatever, and turned out to be a commission. That's so <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. You didn't even well, know what to made, charge or anything, huh? It made me realize that. Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> when I started. I didn't know it would go anywhere, and then yeah. uh, they said, you know, these are wonderful. You can you can mm -hmm. charge for them and and uh, get commissions, and uh, mm -hmm. so it kind of just grew, and nice. and I loved doing that, but. Uh, mm -hmm. so now I, I tend to just take commissions now if, if I'm really interested in the project. Um, ah, okay. cause I, pr I just, like I said, this having the set the priority of just wanting to do what makes me happy now. That's amazing. Now, so you've gotten some clarity and you know what you want to do. So let's talk about what your plans are then for the future. I mean, other than working on what you've been, uh, interested in, are there shows you want to get into? Are there competitions that you want to enter? I think in the future, I'd really love to have a, a show of a lot of my work that I've been doing over the last few years. Um, I've, I've never approached a gallery. I used to have a gallery so when a I was a, a solo show. When I, yeah. I used to have a gallery when I was a printmaker and didn't have great experience uh, yeah. with, with that. It just that, I mean, they take 50% and... Yeah. They would charge for f framing, and I ended right. up not seeing really any money from it. Um, yeah. So then, uh, with my drawings, it never occurred to me even to take them, but but uh, mm. to a gallery. 
right. think now I would really like to have a show. And so I need to find the right kind of gallery to represent me. That's, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that I feel good about working with. Um, in the meantime, I enter lots of shows. There's lots of shows for uh, drawing. When you're looking for shows, what are you looking for? It's, I find it very difficult to uh, enter shows that are in the international shows that are abroad because you, there's just a lot of expense involved in yeah. sending work. So yeah. for the last few years uh, with COVID or the last year, um, right. and a lot of the shows are online. So I've entered more international competitions than usual. Mm -hmm. um, I always enter the CPS, CPSA show, or mm -hmm. I have been for about the last five years. Okay. Um, at any rate, and I'll drive down to Buffalo or something to to mail it because it's it's about uh, a fraction of the cost ah, uh, to mail just it. Just cross the border and mail the it border. over there. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> so it's about a, an hour, idea. an hour, an hour and a half drive oh, each, each way, it. but so worth smart. it because yeah. uh, it'll be thirty dollars instead of three hundred and fifty dollars right. to, to mail it. A little difference a there. Yeah. Plus, so, you can make a weekend of it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I usually drive there and back, or do a little bit of shopping, or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Well, so, that's a good uh, tip for anybody right right up there, you know, just north of the border there. That's really great. Yeah, yeah. I've told a few people about that. So yeah. Otherwise, uh, there's there's a few Canadian competitions, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's well, uh, any awards lately? What have you won anything lately? Well, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I just won one. I just got noticed today that I did. Today? I won, uh, today. Okay, what, what so it's actually that for that drawing that you just mentioned, uh, a lingering moment in eternity, that one that you said was quite different. Yeah. I entered that in uh, a, uh, a thematic that. exhibition that um, it was black and white theme, and it was for, for paintings and photography. Oh. And under the umbrella of painting, you could you could uh, yeah. include drawings as well. Oh, so very cool. So that won the gold award for excellence in painting. Nice. Well, yeah. congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Fifteen that made my by day. seventeen. Yeah, this one is fascinating, guys. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a study in value. I mean, that's what it is. This is all black and white and gray, right? Yeah. I guess you use Prismacolor Premier. Do you use the cool grays, I guess, or cold grays, whatever they call theirs? Uh, I use, the, I think, mostly the warm grays. The warm, in that, okay. Uh, and black. Uh, sometimes. sometimes sometimes some cool gray. but um, mm. So beautiful. Yeah, there's a, it's amazing, I think, particularly when you're using a little bit of warm gray, that, um, that, that you see a lot of color, even though it's black ah. and white. Yeah. It still feels like to me like there's a lot of color. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is that blonde hair that we're looking at? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like blonde hair even though it's gray. <laughs> I, I was actually I took that picture in in LA at the Getty Museum and there was just uh, somebody and she was just overlooking at the at the view from up there. It's up on a yeah. mountain and she was overlooking the city. Oh and, wow. Uh, because uh, it looks just like clouds over there. Be, I uh, just stuck clouds her. in. <laughs> that yeah, was my that's own. so cool. I love yeah. that. Wow. Thank Congratulations. You. That's Thank exciting. Thank you. Yeah, that it's exciting. So cool. What advice would you have for beginners? I think what I see most beginners have problems with is that they don't push things far enough. Uh, there's like uh, 
timidness and uh, tentativeness, especially in terms of value. And I find that when I push values from the darkest darks, try to even go right to black, to the very Mm -hmm. lightest lights and highlights, that -hmm. it becomes much more dimensional. Yeah. And um, I think, well, for me, I've always had a thing about trying to get rid of the mark, the human mark. It becomes more photographic, and that—that's not everybody's cup of tea. But that's, um, that's my audience's cup of tea, though, <laughs> and that's my students' cup of tea. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I find that incredibly difficult to do. Well, on Duralar, I'm going to try drafting film. Um, that will be a big difference. You'll see, big difference. Well, yeah. that's good to hear. Um, I find it kind of hard and and daunting and i remember you know this was i don't know maybe 10 years ago somebody was working on um duralar i guess or some kind of polyester film that was matte finish that you could see through and you could work on both sides and she talked about the fact that oh you can't get all that detail in there you know and and she just did like these I better not say too much. I don't want anybody knowing who it is if I'm going to disparage her. But she would talk about how that, you know, she just did like these line kind of drawings, you know. I mean, they were they were beautiful. They were they, they were different. They were not this uh, typical high detail and realism that we're used to with colored pencil. And so I, I sort of dismissed that surface, you know, for a while. And then I start seeing people like you and like, wow, you can actually do that, you know. So it's renewed my interest in it for this uh, past year or two when I started looking around and seeing more of this realistic kind of look. So yeah, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to try that. Anything else you can think of for a beginner um, that would help? I think those are, that's a really good thing to keep in mind about sure. pushing the value. Well, and, and, and as well, because you can erase it, you can kind of take more risks. And so you can push yourself farther. Like, like take those darks darker. Yeah. Um, and okay. I I think though that ultimately for for anyone, you know, they the people that want to do tutorials and they want to find out your technique, it's really yeah. important for people to find their own path, their own uh, what, what what works for them. Yeah. And like if and and it just immersing yourself in it. Like if you can draw every day, something's right. going to happen. You're going to you're going to discover something you're going to have a little success Mm. and you just grab that success and you build on that and um, it's more satisfying right when you started doing your own thing right rather than following tutorials and being prescriptive and following a list of colored Mm. pencil colors that somebody gave you right when you start doing your own thing there's just something very rewarding about that well and and i think that you you develop in, I mean, and I mean, I think I think tutorials are great. Like you, oh yeah, I do too. You, you can learn a lot, and right. they give you a, they give you a starting point. Sure, but but then you almost have to forget everything that you learn in yeah. those tutorials, so that you discover your own sense of intuition. Yeah, uh, and that like that's what I'm finding that I I'm learning to really trust my own sense sensibility, mm-hmm. and I'll see something, and and mm-hmm. I and I don't know how I come up with the idea to use like. Uh, green ochre and purple mm. together or something and mm-hmm. and it'll create this incredible like uh, tonal area shadow mm-hmm. or something bruisey shadow looking color yeah but so that's a risk i mean you you've got to exactly. at some point i mean yeah tutorials are fine when you start out 
at some point though you have to take you know those steps that lead you to the edge of the nest and then fall all the way down to the ground and learn how to fly on yeah, your own exactly and and working with drafting film has the advantage that you can take those risks. You can try a color that you wouldn't normally even think of, but just like what what would happen if I put this, you know, mm. Copenhagen blue on top of orange yeah. or something? And then and if it works, you know, it's great. If it didn't, you can erase it. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's so, cool. So it'll, would it, you suggest it, that someone start out with Duralar or just jump right over no, into drafting? Do not film? do not get Duralar. No. It, okay. It's not rewarding because you can't, you can't, um, I don't think you can build as many layers. No, I, I haven't used it, but um, it's. Well, uh, I can tell you, you run out of layers really quickly. Yeah. And, and then you hyperventilate. <laughs> yeah. And then you say, okay, I'm done with that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I, I, I'm glad we talked about that. So you're just saying, just skip that. Go to. And that makes sense because this is a, that's the thing I always recommend is if you're going to start drawing with colored pencil, don't grab Crayolas, you know, grab professional brand colored yeah, pencils. So yeah. do the same thing with your surface, right? Yeah. Grab something that will actually help you and aid you to enjoy the medium. And I, I also think, though, that there is this sense of you've got to try a lot of things and then like surfaces and pencils. And if you're listening today and you're thinking you're all excited now about drafting film, I'm sure if you're if you're not, you haven't looked over at Bonnie's website yet, then I guess. But once you do, you're going to be excited about it and you're going to want to try that. And I suggest that you do. You try all the things you experiment and you try all the pencils that you can and you try all the surfaces that you can what's going to happen i think is you're going to cross paths with the surface that you just fall in love with and the pencils and that combination and the techniques that really resonate with you and that you will probably stick with for a while it sounds like that happened to you bonnie yeah well I, and i think the other thing that people have to be aware of is that there's a learning curve and not to be discouraged and frustrated and panicky uh, yeah with the first ones and yeah like don't become precious with it you know treat your first few drawings as just experimenting mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. you know see where it leads you um yeah. i mean i did i did several drawings uh that never made it to my website um yeah. i mean some of them are were gifts and whatever but um i've had some of those as, as gifts to the trash can too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, like, be, go easier on yourself. Don't expect, yeah. you know, miracles yeah. right at the beginning. And really, I feel like my own work was only in the last couple of years that I really felt like um, I really felt like I knew what I was doing mm. when I started, mm -hmm. that, 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 I, that I could probably would end up finishing it. I, I have a whole drawer full of things that were not finished because, you know, just just didn't make it. Um, Got when they were part of that learning, that or uh, I just knew that that they couldn't be resolved. Um, okay, gotcha. But now, now I just feel a little bit more confident about it. Right. Um, what right. I'm doing, sure. Uh, so, and and just I think just the intensity of working every day. I I retired from my job, uh, luck, and that that made a huge difference in just freeing up my time. Mm -hmm. And also 
with the pandemic, just having nothing else to do but draw, you know. Uh, we were made for this time. I tell you, <laughs> artists, we were, we've been training for this for years. <laughs> it's finally happened. Absolutely. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I, I think you cannot underestimate the importance of, uh, daily drawing. Um, if, if nothing else in a sketchbook, something small and value studies or something that, uh, is difficult for you or enjoyable, Something that you will do. I love that advice, Bonnie. That's really, really good. Some of my other things. This is uh, this is a nylon stocking filled with uh, cheesecloth. Makes a soft pad. And so after I'm finished a drawing, um, I just rub the whole surface with uh, the soft cloth, and it brings up the shine. And it tends to get rid of any any uh, pencil marks, unevenness. Um, really. Yeah, and it brings that up is, just a luster over the like like waxing a, your floor. With, oh, that is interesting. So there's yeah, no fear it. of uh, any transfer at all. Like, it doesn't. No. It doesn't smudge or smear. And uh, really, yeah, and you just make a nice, a nice like little so pad. nylon cheesecloth inside, and yeah. wrap that up and just gently, yeah, gently rub, rub your the whole surface. And Do then. You, Oh, do you spray? I just, I, I don't know if we talked about that. Do you spray with fixative or anything? I Any do. I, I spray with a workable fixative. Okay. Um, I should upgrade my fixative. I, I use the Krylon work, workable fixative and I just a couple, couple, yeah, a couple okay. of light coats of it. But so the I nylon think, first and then the fixative yes, afterwards, yeah. right? Yeah. And it'll show on areas that are not covered with pencils. So, ah. so I put a, um, like I have a border. I never, I never uh, frame right up until my image. I, I always have a border around it. So okay. I want that to be, um, not have the mark of the fixative on it. So I, I tape around the border of my image and I okay. use uh, this post-it, post-it removable labeling tape. Oh, okay. I can give you a link to that. Why, um, why do you use that? Is that low tack or something? Very, or? very low tack. It's like okay. if you, you know, post-it paper, that's what yeah, it yeah, is. It's that's like post-it. It's yeah. Like, so it's extremely okay. low tack. And okay. uh, so it doesn't leave a residue behind. Sure. Uh, I think I, I used to use a uh, tape and, and then actually like it would take me so long to finish drawings back in the old days that I, mm -hmm. uh, it would actually lift uh, or like leave a residue on. Or, or it would, it would leave, yeah. uh, it would it sometimes even rip the paper a little bit if, yeah, when I was working right. on paper. So I, I started working with this, which was low tack and that's interesting. Um, and it's two inches wide. So I have two inch borders all the way around oh, my nice. drawing. Very and clean. then I can, I can very yeah. clean, yeah. very thin. And I mm -hmm. can, um, sign my name and the title and the year that I finished it nice. on, yeah, yeah. right below, which, uh. So how long does it take you to complete a piece, like from start to finish? Um, uh, I know that probably isn't a typical um, time. I'd say between three to week, three weeks to six weeks. Okay. Usually okay. not more than six weeks, but mm -hmm. um, I've done it in as little as one week. <laughs> it would just about kill me, like working yeah. every day, like, like 18 hours a day. Yeah. I don't keep track of hours. Uh, mm -hmm. But usually if I'm doing a commission, I would allow six weeks uh, sometimes. I mean, I'm getting faster just because I know more what I'm doing. Um, yeah. 
and it depends on size and of course right uh, right well you're about and, the large piece yeah four to six weeks generally. okay that, that sounds about right yeah interesting um did i ask you how many layers i feel like we're going backwards i'm sorry i probably should have asked you that earlier we did talk about how quickly you get to uh, a completed area when you're working in one area right but is there I mean, can you kind of quantify like how many layers it takes in so one area? I'd say so within one layer. So I, mm -hmm. when, if I'm laying down the very first layer, mm -hmm. there might be three or four colors within that layer, but they're it's just to create very the same value. Yeah. Um, and and so not not like pink and then blue and then green, right. for instance, but some pink here, blue here. So so there'd be a kind of uh, similar value all laying down a very smooth layer mm -hmm. and then so with, within each layer there might be two or three or four colors mm -hmm. and but then i try to get where i'm going by maybe three layers so there will ah, be okay. um but then once i'm done so I'm, and even after i've burnished uh, uh -huh. i can take a very um i can add nuances i do a lot of nuancing so for instance um in a cheek, for instance, if there's some pink, that right. might be the thing I put on at the end with a very, very waxy pink color, like okay. pink nectar or something or orange or. Ah, um, so up until that time, before you try to bring out whatever, uh, you know, that full saturated pink is, you're leaving it sort of uh, faint or sort of undone, or you just built up that entire solid color nearly. Something like that, maybe. I don't know. I go through this kind of ugly stage because I'm reserving some areas that are going to be, you know, more saturated in color, red, pink, yellow, whatever. Uh, and then some that may be even more dark than what they are initially if I'm working like in middle values for a while. And I just refer to that as the ugly stage because you look at it and it's just really, really ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so because I'm working in these small sections, yeah. I don't tend to I don't tend to have quite so much ugly stages. Yeah, like I don't I don't, I don't do last just long, last 15 minutes maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have those like I mean like I was saying I would just I would just lose my focus if I was trying yeah. to to do like a whole big large area in yeah. in the light or to medium or whatever, right, right. you know, the under layers. It gives me more sense of where I'm going if I can also, if I can create a small area that's mm -hmm. almost to completion. Mm. But then when I say that, like when I get the, when I get the whole face done, I still work back into it. Um, yeah. To, to, yeah. It sounds like you're going back and looking for areas to uh, enhance, right? Sure. Yeah. But it sounds like you're doing. Okay. So, so a lot of it is, is using brighter colors to enhance certain areas bring out uh say i'm looking at you right now and i see like you've got some really uh in your neck shadow here there's some real intense kind of orangey red and stuff um just uh just areas where the light catches you <laughs> <laughs> i'm holding up papers in front of my face you mean do you, do, you, do you ever find that you, after you've been drawing a lot and then you just you start looking at people and all you see is their face in terms of color and value all the colors <laughs> and, and values and you yeah, see the, where the and, zygomatic is sticking out and right. yeah i do that all the time <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, my wife doesn't like that because I, I talk <laughs> about it. I'll, I'll say, did you yeah, see the nose oh. on that person? That is so fascinating. So there's <laughs> nothing fascinating about noses. Uh, wow. Any other uh, like subject matter that you're interested in or are you just going to stick with portraits? Um, I think there's enough material there probably, but just curious. Yeah, I, for some reason, uh, just feeling like uh, – when as soon as I discovered portraiture, I mean, I I, I thought that botanical uh, course that I did, yeah, because you started out doing that, right? Right, and and it actually it made me become good at drawing very quickly because I mean I just practiced every day, but yeah. but you get everything foreshortening, um, you know, and, you're drawing and flowers things. are so abstract too. Yeah. yeah. So you're and looking at negative space a negative lot. Negative space, well, I'm guessing. shapes, yeah, yeah, everything, values, yeah. Right. detail. So, right. um, but then Extra. when I discovered portraiture, it just it just resonated with me so strongly. No turning back. Yeah. No turning back. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm very happy to be just doing that. Plus, then mm-hmm. I I can bring in just my love of drawing textures and mm-hmm. detail by bringing in different backgrounds. Oh you know. yeah. And the clothing that you do. And the clothing, phenomenal. yeah. I love drawing clothing. That's, oh, uh... I, can <laughs> I can tell. That is just, it's its yeah. so inspiring to see that. Yeah, to create, you know, you really get to play with uh, volume and mm-hmm. three-dimensional quality. Right, right. So, yeah, I love that. And also push the values really well from, and blending uh, from dark to light. When, when I was a printmaker, we used to call them printing rainbows and, and you have mm. a printing roller and you would lay out your ink and then you would, yeah. you would be rolling the ink, ink patch right. back and forth. So, so the colors would blend, you get a beautiful, perfect blend, but you can only ever go in one direction because it, because you're just, ro- it's all on a roller. Oh, right. And, right. and I thought the, the most wonderful thing would be if someone could invent a roller that would allow you to, to do, you know, just different shape rainbows so in drawing, mm. that's what that's what I discovered that I could create blends of color, like from one to another, just by burnishing one color into another. It's almost like mixing oil paint somehow with with Prismacolors. They're so waxy and blendable. Yeah. Do you feel like then? I, I guess um, coming from that background, then with lithography, you had a sense of color anyway with that you For probably sure. developed a, a really good I think that was really helpful vocabulary. yeah I could see well that. and because it because you're just printing one layer on top of another so, so you, you know, know how... what all these colors do together yeah right yeah yeah I'm sure that was a, a huge help right know, right yeah some some uh new artists I know do I mean that really trips them up is uh they're overwhelmed by this inability to understand, you know, how these colors are going to interact with each other and how to how to shift things back in warm or cool directions and to blend something together to get the color that they want. Yeah, I think lately I've been doing a lot more uh, using complementary colors mm-hmm. than I used to. Doesn't um, it make it fun? I think it does. Yeah. To get shadows to get uh, a richer tone on something using compliments uh, I think is just it's so fun just to yeah. see that movement in different passages that you're working on in your in your drawing yeah. it makes yeah. it so much richer yeah if you 
like rather than just say to create a gray using gray right um i use like clay rose and jade green for instance makes a beautiful gray that was another thing that i had had learned in my botanical drawing class she if we were drawing white flowers she said don't use gray because it'll make it look really dirty yeah you know use use complementary colors to do that uh and then oh i love white yeah because yeah. you can use any color in white yellows right like bright yellows yeah. and greens and reds and pinks and yeah. blues i mean it's just so it's so great because mm. you see all the colors that are reflected in the white. Yeah, they're all reflecting. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I could probably talk to you all night. <laughs> that wouldn't be fair to you or my bladder. So <laughs> uh, what pencil sharpener do you use? Oh, I have the best pencil sharpener. It's oh, uh, What is it? One from Staples, believe it or not. It's, uh, it's their heavy duty. Um, I thought you were going to tell me about something that you found on Alibaba or something that that none of us can get now. <laughs> I've, I've gone through so many pencil sharpeners. And, and you finally found ones. one that you just this like. This is the best one. You stick yeah. your pencil in like less than a second. You go boom and it's and it's just perfectly Done. sharp. And it and it doesn't it doesn't have a stopper on it. Like a lot of sharpeners, mm -hmm. like they don't let you get a really yeah. perfect point on it. They, they, is that why they do that? They do that. <laughs> Prevent so this one, you from getting a sharp point. <laughs> yeah, because then it breaks, but but you want a sharp pencil. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. And But this is the fastest one. I just literally, I stick it in and stick it out. like the, And and it's just perfectly Staples sharp. Staples brand? Or is it? A Staples um, brand. Staples brand, and, okay. And it's huge. I'll show it to you. I forgot I'm connected. This That's is what right. it looks like. Oh, okay. Heavy, like industrial yeah. duty. The That's other got thing, a large that, reservoir on it too. I like the that. other thing that's wonderful is the electric eraser. Yeah, um, which one do you like? What are you using there? This is a Arteco, and I like it because mm. it it's got um, this is a this is a thick eraser, but you can also Use a fine eraser, smaller nib on it. Yeah, use smaller nib. You can, nice. and the and the great thing is that you can you can also shave it, make a point. Yeah, if you want. Oh, I love uh, doing that. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, this one also it uses an S USB cord to recharge. Oh, A R T E C A or something like that, or A R T E C H O. C-H-O. Okay. okay. Got it on Amazon. I'll have, to, I'll have to check that out. I use uh, one by Aphmat. Oh, it's so nice. I mean, I used to do the, you know, the thing where you're putting it up against the sand block to get it shaved down to the chiseled point. But now, just using that small nib, I'm able to uh, get in real tight spaces. But this yeah. one sounds really cool. I like that idea of having a, a USB charger. Yeah. So yeah it's a rechargeable battery, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love that. Any other tools you can think of, Bonnie? This is awesome. This is great. Uh, oh, well, probably everyone has one of these. Uh, what is it? Oh, yeah. Racing shield. Yeah. Race, racing yeah, shield. That's helpful. Yeah. yeah. Do you use uh, like a slice tool or anything like that? I did get a slice tool, and for some reason, um, it didn't last very long. Um, <laughs> and so occasionally, I'll, I mean, it, it just depends if I'm doing hairs and things that. Sometimes X-Acto knife seems to to work the best. Yeah. 
Sometimes yeah. it just doesn't. And and then I'll use that, this tool, the Euro tool. Right. Um, that just seems to be the most reliable thing that I have. That sounds like something I'm just going to have to order uh, right yeah, now. Yeah, you'll love actually. it. It's just, I, I found uh, I out I'm about use it. it for other surfaces even, probably. Uh, I did a workshop with Karen Ho. Uh, uh -huh. Several years ago, and sh and she introduced me to that, and oh, oh really? that was that was just a game changer. I think they use it for removing rust from jewelry, jewelry makers or metal oh, workers. Okay. Oh, so I do have to ask you then. You said you're going to try some sanded paper. Um, yeah. So what? Any project in mind or anything like that? Or, what do no you think? No idea. Uh, Barbara Dahls had had yeah. just posted a, a beautiful drawing that she's doing, and I thought, oh yeah, this looks like so much fun. Uh, and she's getting all this it, incredible detail. Yeah, and, uh, paper is a fun surface. So I have to find out if I can I can get it from local, from our mm. stores here. Uh, yeah. That's always. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can. We live in a third world country, you know, being in Canada. <laughs> right. <laughs> it feels it feels that way during the pandemic. Now because, that the borders uh, closed, huh? The borders closed, so yeah. it's just crazy trying to get art supplies. Um, right. Oh, I know. It's I don't trust. Um, the mail or post or anything anymore it takes, hardly takes um, takes forever yeah and our, the art stores it's... right now uh, every time i go it's it's like the shelves are empty and they have oh, been for right. for months and months and months uh, yeah so. there's going to be some i'm sure that uh, you know we i don't think we've even seen the repercussions yet um of the the full repercussions of the pandemic on some of these smaller stores like art stores yeah. there may be yeah. some go out that'll be sad if that happens uh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming on here and sharing so much. That was Thanks. wonderful. Thanks so much for inviting me, John. It was oh, a lot you're of very fun welcome. Talking to you. All right. We will talk to you soon. Okay. So, guys, just a reminder: if you want to view the video of this, go over to Monthly Sharpener. That's available there for the members circle. And uh, that's not all that's available over there. You've, you've got some challenges every month. You've got a sharpen up skill every month. There's a lot of things available for you over there. Go to the show notes if you want to look up any of these things that we talked about. Sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And I appreciate you coming back here week to week. It really means a lot to me. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving a rating and or a review wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, we're probably everywhere. So, all right, guys, I'll talk to you next week. Until then, take care and stay sharp. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.